This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Welcome to season six of Social Pros. If you want to learn how big companies succeed with social media, you found the perfect podcast. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers through social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince and Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Are you ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined, as usual, by my special, special Texas friend. He is the executive strategist for Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He is presently in Austin, Texas, as he typically is. He is your friend, Mr. Adam Brown. That's right, Jay. Uh, if it weren't for air conditioning, Central Texas would not exist. But thankfully, there is air conditioning and there is internet access. And in those situations, Austin is wonderful. How are you? I don't know if that's exactly true, though, because Central yeah. Texas definitely existed in the pre-air conditioning days. It's just that people were hardier then. Well, I don't think Austin was the 11th largest city at that point, And it wouldn't no, have been without no. air conditioning. You're no, right. Are, are people hardier or is it hotter or is it both? It's probably both. Uh, we need yeah. to get somebody from the uh, National Meteorological Center on Social Pros, and we'll ask that question. That's Our cool. guest today on the show is the senior manager and head of social media from Juniper Networks. He does not have all this hot weather issue. He's got a different set of issues. He is Matt Wolpen coming to us live from the Pacific Northwest. Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. And so, yes, the Pacific Northwest does not have to deal with the hotter weather. So we are quite happy up here. I always have heard, uh, tell me if this is true. I haven't spent a lot of time in Seattle in that area, but I've heard that people who live there tend to purposely tell other people that it rains more than it actually does to keep people from moving to Seattle. Is that true? I, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, this is our first year up here and the winter uh, along the entire West Coast was one of the wettest uh, in decades. And we like when we would visit here, it'd be raining a little bit. It's like, oh, this isn't that bad. And we moved up here expecting this type of winter, which was, uh, according to our neighbors, one of the worst in decades. And we're like, oh, this isn't bad. So come next winter, we're expecting a lot more or a lot less of rain. So um, I would agree that locals tend to try and scare people away because it is quite <laughs> yeah, like the worst in decades. You're thinking, oh, my God, I picked the wrong time yeah. to move. Yeah, no, it was it was quite enjoyable, though. Tell us a little bit about Juniper Networks and all the things that you do. It's a big company with a lot of tentacles, as they say. Uh, give us a little description of how it all works. Yeah. So Juniper Networks is a 20-year-old company, and we make uh, networking equipment for cloud providers, telecommunications companies like Verizon, AT&T, and uh, international telecommunication companies. Um, so we, we have a lot of, uh, as you said, tentacles in the different areas of the network, uh, a lot of security activity, a lot of uh, routing and switching for data centers and cloud providers, like I said. Um, so it's a really interesting dynamic within the networking space that we're, we're moving toward. There's a, there's a strong shift from 
kind of our, our heritage of creating hardware and using custom silicon chips to help the networks run quicker and better um, to moving to software where we're trying to lower costs or customers are trying to lower costs. So not only is Juniper, but a lot of our competitors are trying to make this transition from being sole hardware providers to software providers. So Juniper is right in the middle of that transition and pushing a number of envelopes to uh, try and beat competitors that are bit, both larger and smaller than us uh, to get in front of the, the customers and help them with that transition as well. What is social media's role in that? How, how does the company think about social as a lead gen vehicle, as an advocacy opportunity for existing customers, something in between all of those things? It, so when I joined back in November of 2015, it was treated more of a lead gen vehicle. Um, it, it, you would put out a lot of content around white papers or webinars. And the the big issue that we saw with that, it was, we already have these people following us. Why are we hitting them multiple times with a form fill? Uh, so we weren't really thinking about them from a customer standpoint. We're thinking about them as future opportunities. So my team and the our, our wonderful agency that supports us, uh, we we conducted an audit that showed that, hey, our, our community doesn't like this marketing content. It's either either low quality or just not relevant, or again, the form fills and the gates that we put would put up between the social posts to the content itself were deterrents. So we while we were making suggestions to the teams like stop giving us this content it doesn't work and do this this and this they would kind of just do the yeah 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 okay and then a week later they deliver, deliver the same content so this audit gave us the proof points uh, that we were looking for to go to them and say hey again this doesn't work here's proof showing why and just as we were finishing up this audit our CMO Mike Marcellin was uh, looking at some of our data and was asked a very blunt question, why is our community growing at a steady pace, but engagements and link clicks, actually link clicks were staying the same, but uh, engagements were going down. So our community was not placing the right value on the, the content and sharing it with their respective communities. And we said, well, we, we've been saying X, Y, and Z, like this content doesn't work. Um, and by the way, we have this audit coming out and it clearly showed the marketing content that was kind of the bread and butter of what we were sharing before was not resonating with our social community. So that's when we made the the, the shift to advocacy. Um, and we've we really refined the individual strategies across our social platforms and uh, placed a big emphasis in particular on Facebook for recognizing our community and celebrating them. And that that has been the 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 really big turnaround that we've seen from that. I mean Q1 this year versus Q1 of last year, we had a 500% increase in link clicks. Uh, I want to say two or 300% increase in engagements. Um, community growth month over month or uh, average community growth is more than doubled as well. So everything is really paying off by focusing on the end user. And um, we, we, as part of this audit, we developed a mission statement where we said, hey, like we want to be more of the cube mate for our community. And when you think about the IT community, I mean, you guys have worked in large companies. How often do you think about your IT brethren in there that support you from just a desktop or email or other pieces? You really don't think about them until something goes wrong. So yeah. we wanted to recognize them more. 
we wanted to help give them information and do their jobs better, especially around our, our products. But if they're having a bad day, we also want to give them a moment of levity where we share a networking joke or celebrate a recent project that they completed with just a user generated image. So that has all paid huge dividends in the last, uh, in particular, last six months. I love it. That is fantastic. How do you structure? It's a lot of stuff to do with with all the advocacy and keeping everybody motivated. How do you structure your social team? So we we we're a very small team, uh, especially compared to our, our next competitor. Uh, so I have one person on my team that's a direct report, um, and he's in charge of not only our, our live streaming strategy because that's a huge passion of his and. Uh, he, he's really good at it, but he's also in charge of employee advocacy. So our, I don't know the PC word of saying this, but our, our employee demographic is more on the veteran side. They, they've been in the industry for a while. Uh, so they want to be active in social. They just don't know how to be active. So that's his role is to train them. Uh, we're onboarding a new platform very soon to give them more of a daily dose of social media and, and, help educate them like, yes, this content is approved, so feel free to share it. And they'll learn along the way of, okay, if that's free to share, so I could probably do something like this, this, and this, um, and tailor it more towards their uh, their individual roles. Uh, beyond him, I have two uh, indirect reports, one in EMEA, one in APAC, and they're more in charge of aligning uh, the different countries over there that have uh, are trying to start social media, uh, localized social media programs. So for like the UK, France, Germany, Japan, China, etc. Uh, they have split roles, so I have to take what time I can get from them. So, uh, but they're doing a great job in getting that aligned. So we start to appear as more of a global entity uh, on social channels. Um, and then I have a, a great agency behind me. Uh, they've been with the company for longer than I have. I think they're going on their fourth or fifth year. So they really know our community inside and out. They know a lot of the internal teams that we can go to for content or ask questions. So it's a lean and mean team for sure. I know you do a lot of internal education about social for team members inside Juniper Networks. Is that across all divisions? Is it particularly around social selling or is it anybody can be blessed to use social on behalf of the company how does that work and is that a series of, of, of webinars or workshops inside the company what does the internal education structure look like you hit all of them so the simple answer is yes uh, i mean we have inside sales they've built a program uh they teamed up with linkedin for part of it and uh, a number of other people have uh, helped evolve it over time uh kevin on my team he he's built a series of webinars and as we get this new platform in place he's going to expand those webinars uh, and in-person trainings to cover off on the platform and show more about what people can do how they can create content um we the 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 two respective people in the me and apac regions uh they've taken kevin's trainings and uh, brought them over there, localized them. For example, APAC, they brought in we, uh, Weibo and WeChat information. So it, it's been a collective team effort, uh, and we use all the vehicles at our disposal. We have, uh, like every other company, uh, an intranet, and so we put a lot of resources up there. We're currently working with our legal team to provide more 
structure and guidelines in our social media policy to really enable, as you said, all employees to be active on social media uh, because we do want those voices out there. And we do want them advocating, at least from a recruitment standpoint, why they should come to work for Juniper. So we do look at all the options and we try to use every option as, as much as possible. You mentioned your Facebook Live experiences. You guys are killing it on Facebook Live, uh, primarily with these interactive Q&As. We get people from the company to answer tech questions, other questions. It's it's like a you know living FAQ, almost ask me anything kind of thing. One I just saw the other day, 150,000 views on something that is, no offense intended, pretty specific, right? I mean, these are topics that that are of interest if you are in the networking business, but you know, your your average customer, even your average B2B person, even your average technology person um, isn't isn't necessarily dialed in. So sort of wrap, you know, 150,000 views around that is remarkable. Uh, how did that come about? And how do you promote those Facebook Live experiences? Yeah, again, that's, I, I, I mean, in all reality, maybe you should be talking to Kevin on this podcast in the near future. But it, this was his, uh, his child that he he came to the company he has this great passion for for content, and he, he had done similar things at other companies. So I just, as soon as I saw his resume and saw some of his background, I had to have him on our team. So we, he was on the East Coast. We moved him out here. He came here. He said, "I want to do more video." That's where everything is going. I'm like, "Yeah, I know that, but we just can't do it." He's like, "I will, I will take care of it." So we first rolled it out in October at our customer summit. We're like, "We just want to test this," and we did a a three hour Facebook live session of our keynotes at this. And you know what? It performed well. Um, it was definitely worth doing. We had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and so we started building out the strategy and we knew through that audit, we built out personas and we know our community is very technical. That's what they react to and all the content that we audited. Um, so we started doing, Hey, let's give them some behind the scenes or direct access to experts and executives and uh, the first few were fantastic. And we're getting into a, a pretty good clip here now where we can do one month. We've averaged one per week. We're kind of getting back to one every other week. And uh, we've had some that have averaged or, or have hit 350 to 375,000 views. And it, it's really waken or woken up a lot of people in our just not marketing team, but our executive team as well as saying, we spent all this money on YouTube videos. Could we do Facebook Live? So we've had to kind of start pushing people away now. Like, no, this isn't a fit for our community. Um, but we, we've seen a, a wide range of success. We hit 1 million views across all of our videos, uh, I want to say a month, month and a half ago. Um, compared to YouTube, going back to October, our, our Facebook Live videos have surpassed all the videos during that time combined. So we have seen some phenomenal success there. And it's, it is because that Q&A format where you can go in and ask questions. Um, we try and pay strong attention to answering questions that may come after we start uh, after the actual live broadcast. And once we start boosting it a little bit. Um, so in, in terms of promotion, we try to start promotion a week out in advance and we've been toying with do we create an event on our page for this or do we just do social posts? Uh, we're still waiting for access to being able to schedule uh, the the broadcast so we can provide provide links in advance and people can sign up to know when it goes live. 
Um, so we do a lot of uh, wide range of things this week. In fact, we rolled out a new template that's going to become more of a standardized template to not just highlight the person that's talking, but the topic, because for the most part, the topic is what's driving people into our community. Yep. Definitely. Well, I'm sure you've been doing this a long time and I'm sure you've heard this expression and I want you to comment on it because you are proving that the opposite can be true. You have heard no doubt that Facebook's not a good place for B2B social. Yeah. At one point I believe that. And it's, it's not a good, maybe it's not. And and now you are demonstrating uh, that the opposite is true, which I think is pretty great. Well, I think it's, it's all a matter of the lens that you put on it. We're using Facebook more as a community uh, growth or community celebration environment. We're not going after it to try and uh, get leads. And, and that's that's taken a lot of education internally as well. Like what we do, what my team is responsible for is more of trying to create awareness, trying to get keep people engaged and we're up against the Goliath of a competitor. So the more that we can kind of stay top of mind, whether it's sharing content or just making them laugh, I think the better we are in the long run. And then if you want to do lead gen through social, you use the paid side of things and you get very targeted and you make sure that we limit the gates in front of them. So we get them quickly into where we want them to be. Matt, with this phenomenal success that you're having with, with Facebook Live, the statistics that you shared of, uh, of all the kind of 200 and 300% year-over-year increases you've had in engagement since you've kind of removed the gates and the firewalls from, uh, from a lot of, of content, really spectacular. I'm curious, you know, with, uh, with kind of the removal of some of those, like, you know, fill out this form to get this white paper or fill out this form so you can get this content. How are you measuring and kind of reviewing the, the ROI on things? Are you looking at this more from a, from a branding and awareness standpoint? Or are you able to kind of correlate these huge increases in traffic to, uh, to, to, to interest, to, to sales leads, to consideration funnels and the like? Yeah, so that's where we're shifting our attention right now. Um, for the most part on the social side, our measurement analytic capabilities are juvenile um, or, or in the process of maturing. Uh, and we just kicked off a big internal metric work stream where we're trying to get more into that information. For the most part, we we just look at the web traffic that we're driving to key sites. And um, our, our attribution model is shifting right now to where we could understand more of the social impact on the journey and the the holy grail metric that I'd love to get to is that I can go and start saying that, hey, social media touched X million in pipeline or X million in revenue, um, because that, that would dramatically shift the discussion going forward with not just other marketing teams, but the executives. And as we try and seek more budget for certain things. So right now, it's more like we we focus on two primary KPIs. One is kind of the the web traffic and showing that we're getting people to the pages and getting people to the site where we can retarget them with other stuff in the future. Um, the, the second one is just the engagements, which is the, uh, uh, are, are people liking our content? Are they sharing it with their communities, et cetera? Um, and I guess you can even go into a, a tertiary uh, uh, metric would be something around how are people talking about this? How are they 
directly reaching out to us. And that's something we're, we're actively doing. We're testing out chat bots just to automate some of the responses right now. So we're starting to measure that stuff as well. You know, one of the things that Jay articulated uh, a few minutes ago was, you know, the IT decision maker and this idea that, you know, the way the IT decision maker gets information about you guys, uh, about Juniper Networks and, and your competitors is changing and evolving. And as I look at kind of the evolution of, of Juniper um, from kind of going from the kind of phone circuit-based switches to packet switchers to then the evolution to really build a network for mobile networks. And now, as you articulated, move from hardware to software. Have you seen the way that you're reaching out to these decision makers uh, evolve is as well? What, what's resonating with them that uh, the different is, is, are the good old white papers and things like that still resonating with IT decision makers? Or is it these little snackable pieces of information like you mentioned on Facebook Live? It's it's mostly the latter. Uh, we we've had to educate our internal stakeholders on the issues of attention span and so forth. I mean, you, you've you've seen the decks likely from Twitter and others where they bring in the goldfish example, um, and we've had to show them that through social media. And okay, yes, you have a white paper, but. Don't think of it as one single piece of content. Cut it up or draft a blog that's more shorter form that then you link to the white paper. So if they, at a minimum, they they learn something from the blog and if they're still interested, then they go to the white paper. So it's things like that that we've had to do a lot of education around and say, please do this, this, and this. Uh, uh, Webinars are still popular among uh, many of our teams internally, we've said we will not promote them directly on our across our corporate channels, but that they have to draft a blog so we can point people to the blog. And if they want to go and attend a 20 minute webinar, they can. Those type of assets still may may hold a, a a place for email marketing or other traditional marketing techniques. But for social, where it's so quick and so fast that you have this a short attention span that you need to feed with short content. If you put this long piece of content in front of them, they're just going to walk away. So that's that's been the big piece. And then, yeah, bringing in these short form videos, whether it's a Facebook Live or um, just short uh, how-to pieces, That's that's been a big uh, change for us. Matt, I love that concept of uh, requiring your marketing and communications folks to create a blog post for them to link a white paper or other piece of collateral information to that you can then tweet about or, or post about on, on the multitude of, of different social media properties that you, uh, that you use. To that point, I have a question around a particular uh, social media property and one that's kind of very close to you physically now because of the acquisition of LinkedIn by Microsoft, and that is LinkedIn. I know back in the days when uh, when I was leading social over at Dell, LinkedIn was so important for us because uh, it was the place that we found the, the target environment of IT decision makers. And I'm curious, you know, especially with the, the question that Jay asked around, you know, Facebook only being a consumer platform and you finding uh, amazing uh, success using Facebook for, for Juniper, Where's LinkedIn fit in all this? And, and how do you think Microsoft's acquisition of LinkedIn is really going to change how, how you and, and other companies use it? Yeah, LinkedIn's one of those platforms that you kind of have a hate-love relationship, or at least I do, in that it is 
across the bi- the big three, it's our largest community in terms of size, but it's not the most active. And we're actually starting to see a little bit more value out of it in terms of driving people from that to Juniper uh, websites or blogs or whatnot. It's the, the hate side of it is just that it's such a walled garden. Like we can't get much data in there or we can't pull the data into third party platforms. And I, I hope, and if anyone from Microsoft is listening, is that I hope they would open up their APIs a little bit more so we can get more insights out of the, the social side of it, not so much the recruitment side, because I think they do that fairly well. So we we treat LinkedIn more as the CEO email where we try to inform or, or more so educate people on really big topics for our products. So um, the recent security uh, ransomware attacks, that's been a easy thought like, hey, let's go there and share our point of view on it, what we know about it. Um, and we've seen great success there. Uh, our CEO, Rami Rahim, was just named uh, one of the top uh CEOs on Glassdoor, I think ahead of, I know ahead of uh, our other competitors, but I think also ahead of Jeff and uh, over at LinkedIn. So we we see a lot of success there. So it's both a educational side for the for the IT community, but also we want to start recruiting more people and showing, just like every other company likely does, when we have big wins like top CEO or we have. Uh, a culture award or, or diversity efforts, that's where LinkedIn plays a bigger role for us. So in terms of reaching to the IT community, it's probably third on the list in terms of the amount of content we share there and the results we see, but we still put place a lot of value on it. As senior manager of social media at Juniper, and as you said, using LinkedIn kind of for recruiting, how do you and your team work with uh, with your colleagues in in HR? Are they are they creating all that content, or are you creating some of the content, even more recruited oriented content uh, that, that's being used on LinkedIn for those purposes? It's a joint effort with the Glassdoor one. Uh, they're heavily involved on the Glassdoor side, so they worked with us, and we were able to get that out fairly quick. Uh, we we actually tag team LinkedIn with Instagram in terms of recruitment pieces. Like LinkedIn's great for showing certain information, but we really want to show more of the internal culture, especially as we go after a lot of the the younger uh, or the new college grads that. LinkedIn's not a first thought for them. I mean, they they have Instagram, they have Snapchat. We don't use Snapchat at our company. We just don't have the resources, or we don't know how we would really tell a good story there. So we focus on link. Uh, sorry, on Instagram to show culture and show what drives people. Show the diversity. Like we have people from India, we have people from different communities in the U.S. and in the different teams and and everything like that. So Instagram has actually become a a strong platform for us to show off uh, the culture and, and highlight uh, the, the, the different people that really make Juniper a great place to work. It is truly bizarre world, uh, Matt, as, as we sit here, (laughs) you know, you're saying that, you know, Facebook is uh, become a really powerful platform for your B2B activities and yet Instagram is, from an HR standpoint, a powerful recruiting tool. I think that tells two stories. One story of how these social platforms are changing and evolving. And secondly, I think the whole aspect and art of recruitment has, has changed. And it's so much more about storytelling, about culture, 
and the benefits of working in an organization and maybe less about, you know, what's your salary, what's your title, what's your job description. So I think it's, it's, it's a really interesting, uh, interesting story that you tell. And I'm, I'm glad you're, you're sharing it with us. Part of that is also because as more and more countries or the social platforms uh, kind of penetrate other countries, similar to, I think there was an article this week that, uh, India has topped the U.S. on Facebook in terms of the number of people on there. And that's actually exactly what our community is. And um, I mean, India is the number one country in terms of number of followers that we have. U.S. is number two. But then you look at countries like Japan, and as we're learning more and more there, that they don't like LinkedIn for business purposes for some reason. They depend more on Facebook. So I, I think that whole mindset is really starting to shift and more and more people are waking up to, Hey, no longer is one platform good for one piece or Facebook is weak for B2B. It's actually better for B2B because there's more and more countries on it, or it's the first platform for many countries where they have Mm -hmm. that access. So it is like, you're, you're right. It is a bizarre world right now uh, across a lot of social platforms. It really is. Uh, You've also said, Matt, that that simple posts today often work better than complicated posts. Can you talk about that a little bit and explain what you mean? Yeah. I mean, when we first strat- or started on the strategy shift to advocacy, one of the first, like what I would call big wins that we had was a very simplistic post of our technical uh, books uh, that just said weekend reading essentials, a three word post accompanied by an image. Um, it had hundreds of engagements, but within it, there was a unaided conversation comparing us or someone asking what's the difference between Juniper and Cisco, who's our biggest competitor. And there was a 15 to 20 comment thread in there where people from our community were saying Juniper is better for X, Y, and Z reasons, but they were very honest and realistic, said, you know what, Cisco's better here, but we still prefer Juniper because of this, this, and this. So that's uh, that's where simplistic comes in. I and mean, the, the user-generated posts of the cabling or new equipment that people uh, share, that has anywhere from 700 to more than 1,000 engagements and 20 plus comments underneath it, which is fairly good for us. Uh, but that's all uh, just organic, no boosting whatsoever behind it. And that stuff is why we, we, we've partially been so successful on Facebook. I love that idea. We'll make sure to link that up at socialpros.com. Go to socialpros.com, find Matt's episode, and we'll make sure to grab that really effective yet simple Facebook post and embed it in the show notes so you can see exactly what we're talking about. I want to take just a moment here before we ask some more questions uh, to Matt Wolpen of Juniper Networks to acknowledge our sponsors this week on the Big Social Pros podcast. Uh, As always, the show is brought to you by our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Uh, That's where Adam happens to be employed. A new ebook from Salesforce Marketing Cloud, really interesting stuff called More Than Marketing, exploring the five roles of the new marketer. It's a breakdown of the five new essential marketing skills that we all should possess. There's interviews in their stories and even interactive features to help you get started understanding how marketing is changing and how your skills need to morph and evolve immediately actionable steps to master your new, your new talents as well. Really interesting uh, ebook and, and very valuable for all marketers, social or not. Grab it for free at c and c dot L Y 
slash new marketer. That's c and c dot ly slash new marketer. Also, I told you about it last week for the first time. I've got a brand new ebook written by me, yours truly, and the Convince and Convert team called The Three Types of Social Media Metrics and Why They'll Get You Promoted. All about which social media metrics matter, how to calculate and find them, the social media metrics that don't matter and how not to get wrapped around the axle about those, the three different types of reports that you should be generating in your organization on a regular basis. I think you'll really like it. I put a ton of work into it. I would be psyched if you downloaded it for free at cnc.ly slash three social metrics. That's cnc.ly slash the number three social metrics. Adam, back to you. Jay, thank you. And Matt, uh, so great to have you on the Social Pros podcast. You've told us so much about kind of what you're doing as senior manager and head of social media at Juniper Networks, from, uh, from managing your team to your agencies to probably, and what you told us, uh, a lot of education kind of upstream, making sure that executives kind of understand the value of social, the ROI of social, and kind of how it fits into driving sales, driving awareness, and, and at the end, driving shareholder hold value. I'm curious, at what point kind of in your uh, career, Matt, did you realize, hmm, you know, I think I can actually make an entire career of this social media stuff? It- that's a really interesting question. I I have a PR background. I, I went to school and got a degree in journalism and public relations, went into the agency and went back and forth between agency and in-house. And I think I, I really started to get exposed to social media right when Twitter had been launched. And um, shortly after that, uh, I, I really went into an agency where more and more companies. We were working for for a wide range of startups to establish companies, and they were asking more and more questions about social media. And I would research it and kind of build it into the PR plans. But we had some people that were more interested or dedicated to social media at the agencies. So I worked it in where I could, and then uh, I joined a, a startup um, and was in charge of the marketing communications and corporate marketing stuff, and did everything from events to. Uh, PR and AR, et cetera, and social media was in that realm. And that's when I really first got exposed to it and and had fun with it. Uh, that company was acquired and I was put into a, a pure P, uh, product PR role. And it was fun for a while, but I kind of got tired of being a, a, a press release mechanism. And that was it. You, you kind of had to be fairly regimented in what you said. It was talking a lot about speeds and feeds. Um, and uh, around that time, the company went through some changes and a new role had opened up and I had just re- uh, received a new manager and we talked and said, hey, what do you think about me taking over the strategy role for social media, building that up, revamping the team and it, the the boss never hesitated. And that's when I really dove in head first and I just from the get go had fun. Like we could be creative, we could go and create graphics, we can we had there was also like this responsibility there or two responsibilities one was you had to get content out every single day there was no ifs ands or buts you had to get that out so there was kind of something to always keep me engaged day to day and okay what are we gonna talk about today what are we gonna do tomorrow what are we gonna do next week or the next month um so that was one part but you also had this feedback mechanism from the community that was daily too so you could you didn't have to wait to see how your press release resonated or how your 
media briefings when you would put something out, okay, this community like this, let's do more of that and let's dive into that a little bit deeper. Um, so you could kind of say, you know what, let's go tell this story. Uh, you know what, they didn't like it. Let's try and adjust it a little bit or let's pivot to do this. And uh, okay, that's more successful. So the the creativity was also kind of what got me into PR when I was back in college because I joined as a finance manager. So that creative aspect constantly keeps me motivated to try and do more on social media or to, to stay with social media. You mentioned two really interesting uh, things there. Uh, one, the idea of positive and negative reinforcement, kind of immediate reinforcement uh, in social, just something in, in kind of traditional long form PR or pretty much any communications for that matter, you're, you're not going to, uh, to get. And secondly, that kind of cadence of, 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 of again, you know, got to make the donuts. You've always got to get new content out there and you're, you're always kind of working on the next big story, uh, which truly is, is, is kind of I think a part of, of traditional public relations, but maybe not. I know one of the things, Matt, that you mentioned to, uh, to, to, to Jay and, and, and me before the show was, you know, around metrics and analytics, which, you know, like the positive and negative reinforcement you get from, uh, from end users is really one of the main ways that we, we measure success of, of our social media programs. And there's been a lot of, you know, monkey business, so to speak, you know, around social platforms and how they're measuring uh, their efficacy. And it seems like almost every quarter, one of the big social media properties says, well, we're not quite measuring this the way we expected. Um, why do you think it's so difficult for the social media platforms to kind of get it right in terms of analytics and metrics? We certainly didn't see this in traditional communications with audited numbers and circulation figures. And it also doesn't seem, at least to me, to be kind of a priority for these, uh, for these social media properties, even those that are highly focused on paid activities, to, to get it right. How are you reconciling that internally kind of with your team? And have you had to reconcile any of those types of things with your, with your senior leadership? Yeah, I mean, why are I? I don't know why they they. I don't want to say can't get it right, but why there are certain issues. I mean, I think it's just more about the pace at which they had to develop new products. I mean, the ongoing battles between Facebook and Snapchat, uh, or Instagram and Snapchat, that they just have to quickly try and out maneuver the others. So, I think that could be one reason. There's no. I don't want to say oversight organization that can help bring some efficacy to the 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 metrics, uh, but it also could be the API issues. We talked about this with LinkedIn that when we bring it to another platform, the platform may not be connected properly. So you kind of have to use multiple platforms just for metrics. And then on the social side, we have obviously the native platforms and the analytic tools that are in the admin panels, but then you have your social publishing uh, tools that have their analytics, but then your web team may have Adobe analytics, et cetera. So there, there's no central, I don't want to say guidelines or tools or something like that, that everyone uses. So we, we've had a number of issues where the web team will report certain analytics from whether it's Google analytics or Adobe analytics or whatnot, and we'll report ours and they won't be aligned because certain things are tagged differently or links don't track well. So that, I think that's a big issue. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's something's going to give soon. And I think it's just more, as I said, the, the pace at which the companies are trying to introduce new 
products within their platforms. But I mean, social media is finally, they made a lot of strides recently, but it's still fairly young compared to the other uh, marketing uh, platforms out there, whether it's email or web banners, where there's more technical stuff. And then of course the intangible metrics around social, what does a retweet mean? What does a, uh, a share mean? What's the value of those? You can't, you can't really put a value on them uh, right now. So yeah, the more it gets easier, the more it gets harder. Sometimes there's no question about that. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. I want to close it up today by asking you the two questions that we've asked every single guest across uh, the six or six and a half years we've been doing this show. First one is what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? Uh, I, I think it's more on the personal side and that it was, it's something where I think in today's world and I don't want to bring politics in this, but the political landscape and the the changes that have happened in the last year, you you really have to keep a stronger eye on your mental health. And uh, I mean, I personally had to take time away from social media in the last few months uh, from on the personal side. I mean, it's my job, so I have to pay attention during work, but I've really made a stronger effort to kind of cut the cord and put the phone away more and just recharge and relax a little bit more. So I, I think that's a, a growing issue that we're seeing more and more people deal with because of the the vicious side of social media that can be out there, uh, depending on the company. And the consumer companies have way more of this or way more of an issue of this, I would assume. So I think that's the big tip is just stay on top of your mental health. Wow, that's a really nice piece of advice. We don't hear that very often on the show. Thank you for sharing that. I don't disagree. Yeah. Especially since my background is originally in politics, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> well, you know more than I do then. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's probably true. Uh, last question for you, Matt Wolpen from Juniper Networks, is if you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be? You know, I, 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 this would change every month. I think it would often be an athlete, but I recently just finished the Defiant Ones on HBO, which... Uh, talks to Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre about their yeah. respective pass. Um, sure. it, it was a fantastic series. So I would probably want to talk to either of them and just know more about their creative process. How do they spot what's coming next? How do they identify the talent the way they did? How do they get the most out of that talent? So uh, you can pick either of those guys, and I'd love just to learn more about their process and their mindset going into that stuff because it's – it was really interesting to, to hear their perspective on a lot of things. And we're going to go with Dr. Dre because that's easier to spell. That's going to be, <laughs> uh, that's, that's going to be your answer. Uh, that would be a great idea. Let's get them on the show. That would be fun. Adam, I'm going to put you on that. Oh, I'm all over it. Excellent. Matt, thank you very much for being on Social Pros. Congratulations on all the terrific work you're doing uh, at Juniper. We'll make sure to link up some of those cool posts and the videos and stuff like that in the show notes, which, of course, you can find, as always, at socialpros.com. Make sure, if you haven't had a chance, we would sure love a review from you on iTunes or wherever it is that you get podcasts. If you have any questions, you can, of course, always shoot me a note at j at jbear.com. Love to hear from our listeners. And don't forget to listen to our sister show, Content Pros. You can find them wherever podcasts are sold and given away. Also, of course, at contentpros.com. On behalf of Adam Brown from salesforce.com, I am Jay Baer, founder of Convince and Convert, and this, my friends, has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert. 
Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at convinceandconvert.com.